Awesome, awesome. Thank you so much, Sarah, for your response. And thank you, uh, Dr. Wally, for the question. I'm going to let KJJ come uh, off the mic and ask his question, and then we'll move back to the members of the panel. Thank you so much for your patience, KJJ. Could you introduce yourself and ask the Honorable your question or contribute to the conversation? Good evening, everyone. Um, thank you for having me on board, and thank you, um, Doctor, um, for the submission. And um, I wanted to say, uh, myself, um, a pharmaceutical science student, I mean, I finished from uni, I didn't practice it. I went into technology, I've been on a few platforms, um, a few rooms. Uh, I've been in rooms with a few of the people on this platform at the moment. I mean, my knowledge and understanding is nowhere compared to um, what you have um, learned and gained in the period of time that you've been practicing. Um, just to go on on a few things, uh, I, I listened in from the beginning of your submission. I, I just have a little bit, so I might have missed that a little bit. Um, I think you did say that the problem we have in the health sector in Nigeria, it it's, doesn't require, um, it, it's simple to understand and to solve. Um, one way or the other, if that, if I'm quoting you right, yeah. um, I wanted to agree and disagree, you know, the reason being there are so many failures in the system at the moment, if there is one, you know, to start with. For example, I had an infection on my leg about three months ago. Uh, I'm sorry, about three weeks, three, four weeks ago. I walked in straight into the A&E here in London, you know, common antibiotics they gave me. Um, I've had infection in the past. They realized that certain antibiotics doesn't work with me, you know. So going back again, they were, they, they look at the system, they knew that a particular antibiotic is not going to work, at least something in particular. In Nigeria, I had um, a cousin that her husband died about five weeks ago, just an infection, you know, they gave her, you know, common antibiotics, you know, there's nothing done to realize that that antibiotics will probably not work for him. He ended up passing away. That's one thing, to, to, to that's one area to touch on. Um, for example, like now, if there's an emergency in my local area in Oshobo, which I lived in for 15 years, you know, there's no, like we said, one to three to call, you know, there's no ambulance that will come and pick you up, you know, uh, there's no national database um, of the of the um, whole country. For example, I go to my GP here, I move property, I move to a new area, there is um, a database that they migrate over. Um, for my data, they migrate to the new GP, you know, to know what um, treatment are supposed to be on or have had in the past and stuff like that. You know, there's no proper history. If I drop down in Lokoja from a show state, um, for someone to quickly tap into to look like, okay, this person having um, a recurrent um, episode, you know. So that's why I listed a few things not to take the time on the floor you know, to say that the problem are actually very, very big in my own eyes. I mean, you know, a simple implementation, so certain simple, simple implementation can be put in place to um, to be productive one way or the other. I mean, during the uh, beginning of the um, the lockdown, the virus coming becoming a pandemic, you know, because I'm in the IT sector, I spoke to, I've spoke developed a program to manage um, 
patient samples to be transported from a local government level, you know, to the laboratory, publishing the report and everything, sent it to the um, Ministry of Health in Nigeria. I can punch you guys, I can put it on my bio, it's still out there. You know, you can go and play around with it, sign up at the end of the day. You know, stay out there. The Ministry of Health did not get back to me. They didn't even acknowledge what I have done in my own little capacity, you know, for them to track and trace, you know, sample that I was taking, populate the data, you know. So there's a lot to me as um, an ordinary citizen, not even someone with a scientific background to say that there is actually a lot, a lot of work that needed to be done in that country to bring that health sector up to date or even up to scratch my mother is um, um she's a nurse she worked in um um Adelio university hospital i think in in Ibadan. i was born in um Adelio as well she worked in gch and stuff you know so to me there are a lot of barriers you know that we all this that we need to jump to even get to the minimal if we raise the bar at 10 percent success um rate to say like okay, this year we achieved 10 percent of what we put on the roadmap so to me i believe there are a lot of things that are wrong there you know simple uh, solutions cannot be um cannot be put forward to solve that problem we need people like you for example like now i'm able to engage you on this platform what platform are we putting forward for people that wants to help in the health sector, you know, in Nigeria, for example, I met two ladies on this platform from NHS that wanted to um, secure equipment um, that NHS are not using no more. You know, I'm trying to put them at the back end of a system, whereas, you know, they can manage that project, they can continue talking, you know, people can follow up if they're not there and, you know, like what platform are we outside these um, clubhouse now? Do we have to continue engaging one another to see people that have certain interest in the health sector to continue working out? You know, if someone wants to work in, for example, I met a lady that was working on um, sanitary products for um, secondary school children, you know, that cannot afford it. What platform do we have outside this platform that we're using to engage each other to continue this great work to bring people like you like-minded people like you to bring people like me that are in the it sector you know that want to do something in the health sector that want to put people that want to pull like um, um it people together what platform do we have going forward i mean i have a lot of questions from what you've delivered but i just think i should stop here now because i've put in a lot i hope you can even manage to um remember all my questions and um just um, give a bit of an answer. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm happy you said you joined a little bit, but even what you heard is quite a lot. Now, I have not said that there aren't challenges or the system on ground is okay. No. What I said is that the solutions do not need nuclear science. That is not as if the solutions are in the air, they are difficult to attain. I said they are simple. It's a question of uh, uh, being committed, prioritization by the appropriate levels of government. That is the key. All the things you have listed as problems, they are, they are on ground. Not because there aren't easy solutions, but because those solutions are not 
put on, they are not implemented. They are not put on ground. That's what I'm saying. Let me give you an example. In Lagos State, during our time, we created what we call Drug Quality Control Laboratory, which was NAFDAQ certified. We got loan from the World Bank. It's still there, up till today, in Kenya. To test all drugs that will be used in our hospitals at random and check for their efficacy, genuineness, and so on and so on and so forth. It's still there. There are people working there. It's there. All that was needed was for federal government to do the same and for various states to copy the same. I'm happy somebody said Lagos State is like a gold standard. Yes. I'm not saying that within Lagos State that everything is fine. Some of these things I've talked about that we put in place. Some have also deteriorated after a while. So it's a question of those who are in charge at any point in time, whether they are ready to give uh, total commitment in prioritizing people's health, you know, the maximum assistance or service delivery to the masses, to the people. So I don't want you to mix my saying that the solutions are easy to saying that the problems are not still on ground. No, the problems are still on ground, but the solutions are not difficult. That's what I'm saying. All we need is for those who are in charge to have the commitment to service delivery and to always ready to put the people first all the time and remove corruption. Thank you for the uh, reply. I do appreciate it. Um, very adequate. Just one question, um, moderators, pardon me, before I have to leave. Um, you said something about bringing the, um, the, the, the um, um, medical practitioners, um, Nigerians, and even people that are not Nigerians, from, from abroad to come back home. I think it's so much I'm hearing the newly trained Nigerians are leaving. They're leaving. They're leaving. They're leaving. How do we how do we ensure that don't happen? You know, and even the medical practitioner abroad, how do we give them an environment that will be um, apologies for this thing conducive if I'm right to say, you know, for them to come back home. There's insecurity in the country. There, there is a law. So two questions. Those that that are um, graduating, how do we prevent them from leaving and giving them um a proper environment to practice, you know, so that whatever they've been offered abroad, you know, we can better it. And the ones that are abroad, can we give them an environment to come back home to and and, and feel comfortable? Thank you. Thank you All for right. that. Let question. me just give you one simple. Uh, I wanted let me to just give you a Oh, sorry. Sir, I'm sorry, sir. I just wanted to give everybody okay. a heads up that we would only be taking okay. one question moving forward because we have the Honorable for only two hours and we've reached the top of the first hour. So, sir, please go ahead. But after this, we'll let everyone else ask questions and one question each, please. Okay. Thank you, sir. Uh, okay. First of all, bringing those from abroad in, Yes, I appreciate that at this period, there's uh, a heightening of uh, security issues, insecurity everywhere. I agree. But then, 
we don't expect it to be like that all the time. But even then, even at that, government can actually provide heavy security, specifically for those who are coming. After all, uh, even as we speak, Nigerians in U.S. still travel home, either for burial, for, for this or that, as we speak. Delta has never told us that any time it's going to Nigeria, it's going as a with empty place. Nigeria has been going. So what I'm saying is that government can provide heavy security for a team to be in a particular place that is heavily secured within, let's say, Lagos Metropolis, for instance. All right? These are things we have done. You know, I told you before, we have done these things. It's not as if one is just talking in the air, uh, imaginations. No, real practice done so it can be done. As for those who are leaving, what government needs to do, government knows, is to enhance their, um, their working environment in, through the various ways that I've talked about. Enhance it, including remuneration. Including remuneration. That's it. You see, government needs to do a rethink and appreciate the fact that healthcare is an essential sector. In U.S., a large chunk of the economy in U.S. deals with the healthcare. It's an essential sector. So over there, it has to be appreciated and prioritized like that. Then people will stay back. When somebody is earning 300000 uh, uh, a month, Appreciate that health is actually 
an essential service. They need to be better. Um, the other sectors in the government, the government is just piling together. For instance, government constructs uh, uh, federal secretariats in every state. When you don't have enough health facilities, who are the people they put there? People with BA history and so on and so forth and all that. Who just report and they are on payroll. I'm sorry to say this. They are on payroll earning money and salary, but they are really contributing not much. I'm not saying nothing, but not much. Government needs to prioritize things. And health is one thing that should be prioritized. And I've faced it before. When civil servants all over go on strike, the part that hits the public most is the health sector. Next is teachers. Next, security. And of course, the transport people like LASMA and all that and all that. Those are the areas that touch the ordinary man, the, 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 the greater number, the greatest number of people. Not the not the administrative staff who is dealing with fires in Alausa and all that. No, no, no. If those ones go on strike for months, the public will just go about his business. Once they can see, go to hospital and see doctors and nurses and pharmacists and be treated and their lives saved, once their children can still go to school, once asthma controls traffic and traffic is moving, and once their life is secured, people will go about their business. That is the honest, sincere truth. So government can prioritize. That's just the long and short. Thank you. Thank you so much, sir. Uh, we would let Chi go ahead and reset the room and set the tone for the room now, and then we'll move on to Victor. Go ahead, Chi. Good day, everyone. My name is Chi Udiogawanya, and welcome to Fixing Nigerian Healthcare. Um, indeed, we are honored to have the Honorable Dr. Lee in the room and we are trying to maximize the very limited amount of time that we have with him so please if you would like to be a part of this conversation moving forward this has been the, the brainchild of a lot of people coming together being passionate enough about health care back home that this indeed is a is I was the one who said that Lagos State was the gold standard, and that is a result of the conversations we've had to date. So this indeed is a golden opportunity to pick his brain. So we invite um, questions, but we ask that you please um, limit your question to one question and start by saying, my question is so that... Um, Dr. Vital or whoever is responding to you can easily answer your question and we can accommodate everyone's question. We want to do that. After your question is answered, we will uh, move you back to the audience so that we can keep the stage manageable. Now, if you want to continue this conversation um, outside of the end of this room, we invite you to please go to rhaproject.com. And that is Reinventing Healthcare in Africa Project, rhaproject.com. We have set up a platform to 
have everyone who is interested in this conversation at least plug in to receive information from us or join the movement. Uh, we have been privileged to have so many brilliant healthcare practitioners come into our rooms. We've had physicians in diaspora and on ground. We've had policymakers on ground in Nigeria, in um, Ethiopia, in uh, Southern African countries, in East African countries. We've had dentists practicing in diaspora who have also practiced back home and they are members of the movement. So if you want to join the movement and you are a practitioner or a supporter of healthcare infrastructure, please join the movement. If you just want to be, if you just want to um, be made aware of where we're speaking, when we're speaking on, what subjects we're speaking on, then by all means subscribe to the newsletter at rhaproject.com. I will hand the mic over to Victor. And one more thing, um, we welcome everyone who has a party hat in the room. It means that you're new to Clubhouse. And so quick tips, quick housekeeping. If you want to ask a question, click on the hand raising the hand icon on the bottom right of your screen if you have an Apple device. Not sure how it works on Android. And you will be brought up to the stage. When you come up to the stage, your mic will be hot. So again, mute the mic um, button, which would be on the bottom right of your screen if you have an iPhone. And so that when it's time for you to speak, you can unmute, speak, and then mute. Remember that we, um, if you have a hot mic, uh, that could be a bit distracting to the room. And so we wouldn't want that. Again, welcome everyone. And I'll hand the mic over to um, our dear Victor Olatunde to ask his question. This is me and I'm done speaking. Uh, thank you, Chief. And um, thank you, Dr. Quito, for that amazing delivery. Um, I, I want to say that a lot of things you mentioned are very much insightful, most, I mean, all of them. And I think um, in the particular room that myself and I think Dr. John was in that room where we're talking about health research in Africa and talking about data and, do, and so on. And those are critical things that we mentioned. I remember that we've proffered solution or we've been talking about um, incorporating health insurance into people's daily life by uh, partnering with telecommunications and so on. Now, um, uh, my, my question around that would be uh, around some of this will be on two sides. Uh, personally, I mean, uh, I want to be very optimistic. I want to be very hopeful. So, uh, but I have not seen the possibility of the government in the next four or five years or maybe more thereabout being able to effectively um, actualize almost everything you mentioned, right? Uh, because not not just because of the government now, even if they have the willpower, a civil service is a major problem. So you have a bureaucratic process that are not digitalized, that uh, let's say prevents easy flow of things. So somebody wants to make money at some point, somebody wants to make money on bad equipment being bought, if you're supposed to import the equipment from Germany, buys it from China, and so on. And these are some kind of situations that are 
more systemic than isolated, right? So I wanted you to take a look at comparing uh, what and what do you think on the side of the private sector should be driven and what and what on the side of um, the government should be driven. And, and I'm saying that in the line of, so that we will not just come to this room and um, say a lot of things about this should be, this should be, this can be. Um, I want to so much assume that, yes, there are wonderful commissioners that are willing to do good for their people, just like you did when you were there. But at the same time, if honestly, every commissioner in Nigeria for the past three decades or more that have been alive on this in this country, have tried to do what you did, we won't have the problem like this in the health sector in Nigeria. That is, that is for a fact, right? So what do you think we can be able to do on the side of the private and what they can be able to do on the side of the public. And the, the, the other side of that question would be, if people cannot afford health, and we have over 60% of health in Nigeria out of pocket, and at the same time, we have a very low health budget going in every year into, into um, people's, um, what's it called, into the health sector. Uh, how do you think we can be able to really, really take care of last mile health. I mean, last mile, talking about bottom of the pyramid, people that are in the rural areas and so on. Do we use this task shifting method to ensure that they are taking care of where they are and so on? And I mean, I just wanted to throw light in what we can do for rural health care and then what think the private sector versus government can be in this situation. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh... You, you have uh, put me between the devil and the deep blue sea. <laughs> I what totally I mean know, sir. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the reality is that at the bottom of the pyramid, especially in the rural area, their purchasing capacity is very, very low. That's one. And even when you do task shifting, which I, I, I also practice, by the way, come to the you go there and meet the ballet and say, give me your daughter or one of your chief daughters and this, let us just train and provide a place, maybe one shop or somewhere and make it like a primary health care center. I even went ahead and talked to the uh, Marua Association there and Okada Association to organize a kind of transportation which they did. The reality is that if private sector comes in there and says wants to provide some facility, like providing drugs, for instance, will those people be able to afford those drugs? These are people who cannot afford to buy pure water. They would rather go to the stream and fetch water. Pure water is 10 or 20 naira. They can't. So when you bring the drugs, can they buy? They cannot buy. At least, even at the, 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 I agree, primary health care is a lot of uh, health advocacy, health education, and so on. But there are aspects that need direct medication, pharmaceuticals. Okay? When you provide private sector to, to 
put it on the ground, people still must be able to have the money to buy. That is the honest truth. So when you said, what can the private sector do, even at the grassroots rural area, not much, I have to tell you. Unless they are just coming as NGO, non-governmental organization doing charity work and all that and all that. Oh, fine. But even at that, unless you have the commissioner and the governor and so on ready to cooperate and you don't have people at the local government level seeing, feeling that you need to bribe them before they even allow you to donate, yeah, it's a surprise. Yeah, same people who even when you want to donate still demand for gratification to allow you to donate. I'm telling you. So, uh, I'm not going to sit here and give you a carte blanche and say, go ahead, you to be fine from private sector. I don't want you to start what you cannot finish. So a lot has to start from the top. People who are committed to service delivery and who are ready to put the people first all the time must be in charge at national and state levels and then drive it down like that. That is what can happen. That's what can happen. To separate government from private and think that private can do it alone, that private is taking a huge risk in terms of losing its funds. That's the danger. Look, let me tell you, if you want to set up even hospital, let's leave the rural setting, the grassroots now, hospital, even in Lagos. Yes, initially to be fine, they will open a van fair, everything will fit fine, all your cardiac monitors, all the beds, everything will be there, fine. But after a while, you'll be surprised that the project may not break even for a long time because the purchasing capacity of the people, even in Lagos, will not be will not carry you along. Those who have the money will not want to have the care in Nigeria. They will travel abroad. Those who are unable to travel abroad and stay in Nigeria cannot afford what you have put on ground. That is the reality. It's a catch-22 situation. I, I, I will stop there because of all that. Thank you. Wow, wow, wow. Thank you so much, sir, for, you know, clarifying and expatiating on that question. It leaves so much to be desired, but we have to move on. I can't wait to hear what Dr. John has to say. Dr. John, welcome. Please unmute your mic, contribute, ask questions, and just, you know, go ahead and, you know, help us understand this matter even better. You have the mic, sir. Um, thank you. Um, and thanks for Dr. Preton for a lot of the wise statements and comments and contributions earlier. Um, at some point, it felt like we just drop the mic and go home. Um, but we, it's a collaborative thing when it comes to healthcare in Nigeria. So we all have to chip in our little um, pieces of um, knowledge or advice or information that we think it's going to be beneficial to the sector as a whole. First thing I'm going to do is comment on, I think it was, um, I can't remember who it was now, who talked about um, the 
brain drain situation and how a lot of people live in Nigeria um, to go abroad for help to continue their careers abroad. And as someone who basically went to medical school in Nigeria and then left Nigeria to England, did a master's and came to America to specialize, sub-specialize and further specialize, I don't think it's a bad idea for people to leave um, because that's the one of the easiest and best ways to get capacity back within the country. The problem is making sure you have the um, enabling environment to make them come back. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been doing a lot of work in Nigeria for the past eight, nine years, and it hasn't, for the most part, it has not been hunky-dory. But, um, but you have to be committed because there's when you get into situations like this, at times it's bigger than you, and you just have to basically contribute as much as you can in every little sector that you can. Um, one of the things that is important is when the private sector gets involved, it is difficult uh, from numerous, numerous angles. But one of the areas that I think the private sector can bring a lot to the table is when it comes to teaching and education and capacity building. And a lot of the private sector that actually gets involved in doing that, a lot of those that have left and have come back. There are people who haven't left the country and are doing very well when it comes to you know teaching and training and educating themselves. But you can't ignore something that Dr. Peter said earlier. You've got radiologists that training institutions that don't have MRIs or CT scans or 4D, you know, ultrasound scan, but they're now consultants delivering the kind of care and the kind of giving out the kind of information that they themselves haven't had over time. And there's nothing wrong going outside to get that information, build your capacity and come back and contribute to the system. A lot of times, the collaboration between the public and private entity is very, very important. One of the things that Dr. Peter also mentioned earlier is that, you know, that is something that can actually benefit the system as a whole. But when it comes to infrastructure and things of that nature, um, it costs a lot of money to build hospitals. It costs a lot of knowledge to know how to build hospitals properly. And unfortunately, a lot of that is just not available, which is why I am not, I am a huge fan of people picking already available infrastructure that have been built halfway, some of which, you know, I have unfortunately been part of, that have been built halfway and abandoned by government, you know, over the time. And basically coming into collaborative partnerships with the government saying, we can take this over if there's an enabling environment, if there are policies that helps us do the right thing as far as these facilities are concerned, delivering this kind of care is concerned. So for me, I think, you know, public and private coming together to work to make this sector viable is very, very important. The one thing I want Dr. Peter to talk to as far as that is concerned is a lot of times these collaborative efforts are brought to the table and the private sector tries to do what they can, they invest a lot of money, but somewhere down the line, especially when it comes to switching administrations, these things you know, fall apart. How can we ascertain that the private sector that comes in, you know, comes into partnership with the government, not trying to do it alone, partnership with the government, 
how can we ascertain that we can actually protect them long term against things like you know switching administrations and you know a, the next administration not having the political will that the last one had to bring a very very good project to the table for instance or very very good initiatives to the table how can we make sure we protect the private sector when it comes to this thank you Sorry, um, Dr. John, thank you so much for, for asking that question. And before Dr. Peter replies, I don't know if you wanted to share some light. I know we've had this conversation, and I think this is a great platform to kind of talk about the practical experience with that. I don't know if you want to talk about it, and then he can respond to it. But I think it'll be very insightful with that. Thank you. Now, I, I would have loved to, but I know they've been talking about time and time and time, and it's five no, we will extend, we extend Dr. Peter's hour, though. He will stay, he will stay another extra yes, hour. If Dr. Peter <laughs> agrees to stay, we'll, we'll, we'll take the time. But he has to, we just want to be respectful of his time and we'll follow his cue. So, Dr. Peter, okay. what, what okay. are your thoughts? Okay. Thank you okay. so okay. much, sir. Thank you so much, sir. All right. Um, can, can he basically respond to that first? Let a few people answer the questions. I'll stay on as well and I'll bring it on later on. If we have more time, if you don't mind, please. No, no, Dr. John, that your experience is very critical. I, I, I'm also for that too, please. Yeah, if I can know what we are talking about. <laughs> yes. Okay, looks like Dr. John is on hot seat. Please go ahead. <laughs> All right. Um, this is unfortunately a conversation I still had yesterday evening, a meeting of a few healthcare um, practitioners and um, key opinion leaders in the country um, yesterday night. Um, and it was brought on by another entity who was actually part of that project about eight years ago, which was a public-private partnership between a group I was part of and a state government in Nigeria, which initially the government was supposed to fund the entire project. Then they decided they could only afford to fund half. And even when the private sector raised their half of the money, the government decided they didn't want to put the rest of their money in, on the table and the project basically halted hoping that the next government will come in and take over but unfortunately the next government came in and decided they weren't interested in taking over despite the fact that there was a huge need for this project and everything had been done according to the books because the the project was actually um the transaction advisor was the world bank so they made sure everything was done properly till the government had signed the agreement and then decided somewhere down the line to renege on the agreement. So there's a lot of intricacies, you know, in that situation, basically, but the point is it was a public-private partnership. The hospital was built virtually halfway and a lot of money had been invested, both from the government and the private sector side. But just because a government says they no longer they don't really want a, a hospital in that part of the state. They'd rather have it in a different part of the state or build other ones in other parts of the state. And this wasn't necessarily at the top of their agenda. Despite the benefits to the people of the state, the project essentially died. So that's a short brief without going too long, you know, on the mic about it. But, you know, but situations like that, and we've done other things between then and now, some in partnership with the government that have gone very well, some in partnership with government that hasn't gone so well, but that was a key project because it was the biggest PPP in the history of 
healthcare in Nigeria at that point in time from a dollar value and an impact, you know, assessment. And it was going to be the second largest PPP in healthcare in Africa at that point in time. So it was, it could have sped up the, you know, transition of the healthcare in Nigeria, sector in Nigeria, but unfortunately it didn't. So things like that make the private sector very wary. And like Dr. Peter himself said, the private sector better be careful when they're going to, you know, invest in heavily in the healthcare sector in Nigeria. So. Okay. Uh, the, your comment, which I would say is a comment, because I don't want to accept it as a question, because it's a question that already answers itself in the sense that it is what it is. Okay, the government, as we speak, at various levels, cannot be trusted to maintain costs. Okay, and don't be deceived. This issue of another government coming in, feeling its uh, priority is different, or policy is not true. The priorities remain the same. They are there. Health is an essential service. So when they come and say, uh, this new government coming does not see it as priority or anything. It's, it's, it's not true. It's just so many other factors coming from why they don't want to go along or continue that. Either the person that uh, that left is, is, is like they're either politically or even politically again, even if they are in the same party. What is if they are from different parties? That is enough for them to just leave and abandon what you are talking about. Not that it's not longer important to the people, or that they have a new set of priorities or plans which differ. No, no. So the only way I would say is that in your own case, that World Bank was involved, maybe there will be need to be building in penalties penalties that will ensure completion of that and there are many ways to it for instance people sign a situation where the central bank is giving an ISPO irrevocable standing payment order on the finance of the state it may be small and say look this thing costs 500 million 250 million from the private, 250 million from the state. Do you agree? You agree, you have signed. And then you demand for ISPO. And then central bank, then it's there. Now, whether a new government or whether that present government start thinking there's another way they want to divert money to, central bank will keep on deducting the 10, 10 million every month from their money to pay to that project. So that is one way. People can now start demanding for ISPO. It's an irrevocable standing payment order as part of the collateral for you to go in. All right? The other way is to ask for what they call uh, performance guarantee, even from the government itself even from the government itself, which a bank can pull or call and say, once you uh, misbehave in government, uh, 
I'm going to call it and take your money with me and give it because you signed. But the best bank that can do that is Central Bank. The normal bank may not be able to have the clout or power to, to, to do that. The other thing, of course, is to, to do a contract, let me put it that way, which is signed and which can be uh, pursued at a cost of law and so on. Of course, you know that is not so sure for obvious reasons. The judges may delay and delay and all that. So just to give you some ideas of how you can go around such things, when you want to come and do a joint project with government and you you should not get the thing that everything is going smoothly now. Don't think it's going to continue like that for long. The, that commissioner may be changed and things may change. The governor may change his mind. The governor may leave and another governor comes in and so many, many reasons. But what you can do is what I've said. Demand now, depending on how heavy the contract is or the project is, the demand for an ISPO. You know, that if you want it, you have to put this down on ground too. ISPO, that's it. And then you can also ask that they do what we call matching grants. In which case, whatever you bring in, they too have to put in uh, their own and domicile it or escrow it at Central Bank. That way you are guaranteed that the funds are there. But that may not be easy for them to have the lump sum money. The easiest one is the ISPO. And beyond that, I don't, I, I don't see you having any guarantee unless somebody wants to deceive you. Thank you. Let, let me just have a little comment on that. Thank you, Dr. P. Deadly for us, at that particular time, the Minister of Finance had just basically put out a memo. Just immediately, we went to that agreement that, oh, that too many states had ISPOs that don't, don't have the finances to back, and the central government was, central bank was no longer in, interested in giving out ISPOs to states. So that basically left at the same time as that happened. So... Unfortunately, these things happen with the way laws change in Nigeria, which, you know, it's it's an unfortunate thing, but these things happen, like you said. But thanks for those comments. Mm. Right. Awesome. Thank you so much, Dr. John. Uh, I'm going to let Dr. Adewale go ahead and uh, mute his mic and uh, contribute or ask his question. Over to you, Dr. Adewale. Thank you very much, Dr. Fiki, and uh, thank you very much, Dr. Liki, I'm very humbled to be in the midst of And I, I would want to re start with reiterating what my uh, board uh, has been saying, uh, the effort of Lagos State to address quality of healthcare, and Lagos State particularly cannot uh, be over-emphasized. I'm saying this with all sense of responsibility, not because I work in Lagos State at the moment, there are obvious overwhelming challenges, and um, uh, well, that has made me at several forums to describe the problem of healthcare in, in Nigeria as something like a tank for one, or uh, uh, for a better 
all we want, a cancer that is in an advanced stage uh, that we require a very, I mean, a very extensive or let's say an advanced form of care. I'm saying this because there is no, there is no form of uh, intervention that we actually respond uh, as a way of uh, trying to ameliorate or to manage the problem that has not been done in the Talk about the data collection as mentioned by Victor. Talk about uh, the EMR and, and the like. Talk about uh, primary healthcare. Talk about health insurance. There is none that has not been considered and some form of measures have been put in place in order to handle this. Now, this is my question to you, the board. Why has it been very difficult to replicate all of this that we're doing in Lagos that is attracting other healthcare providers to Lagos temporarily before the masses exit? Why has it been difficult to replicate all of this intervention in other things? That's one, two. I mean, the, 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 one of the ways we assess quality of healthcare worldwide is patient satisfaction. With this massive intervention, why is it difficult for us to get that uh, quality uh, in terms of patient satisfaction? If you check the public opinion, they have a very horrible opinion about uh, uh, medical doctors, nurses, hospitals in Lagos. And I'm aware that there is a lot that is going on. There is a lot that on daily business, training and training, considering all of these uh, various suggested uh, uh, intervention to manage, I mean, to en enhance or to improve the quality of healthcare. I am putting it to my because why is it difficult? Why is it difficult? Uh, apart from the all, all the things which are improving in Lagos or somewhere else, well. but the patient satisfaction is very, very. Uh, I mean, I mean, I don't want to use the word horrible. Now, talking about the staff. Well, we've been considering a lot of things concerning the hospital, the gadgets, the MRI. I'm, I'm, I'm seeing the problem of Nigeria also coming from the level of ignorance of the masses. Ignorance. Well, this can be, maybe, I don't know if it's a, 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 like, a, 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 as I describe it now, it's a visual circle. Ignorance, poverty, it's also, because we are not, if you look at rural area, where someone was talking about rural area, I worked in Lagos, in the core of Lagos, where you deal with elites, so quote and unquote elites, who are patronizing quacks of some quote and unquote cultural reasons, of cultural beliefs. So the level of ignorance, how much are we doing in the area of promoting quality of, I mean, health in terms of uh, quality? Now, distribution of staff, distribution of staff. Now, if you if we get from the masses or from what one of those things they complain about is the attitude of the staff. When I look at it critically, apart from the remuneration, which is a little bit um, on the good side in those states, the distribution. I am aware that worldwide it is coming that you have an equal distribution of the doctors, healthcare providers, nurses so that the people in the rural area will not be chopped Now, why is there no balancing in terms of accommodation and in terms of, uh, 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 well, let me, let me just leave it like that. Because if you are living in, uh, if you are living in 
let me use cake and you are posted as a healthcare provider to a regulation without accommodation. That kind of stuff, being a doctor, not will be working with some level of sense of frustration. No matter how I mean no matter how much he or she tries to do things to improve his or elderly, I mean disease. So what can be done in this area to balance, to balance us? So that some of us that are still restricting the odds to join the people at, I mean in the bathroom can I mean save us at home. Thank you very much sir. Again, in the case of Lagos State, I will specify which can be, be uh, escalated, as it were, to other states. For instance, that issue you mentioned, for instance, accommodation. Somebody living in K2 and to go and work in the Bejuleki. This is like two ends. K2 is towards the west of the state. Bejuleki is in the core east. Of the end of the state. Now, all it needs is that the state government keeps talking about doing housing, constructing housing for people. The state government ought to allocate some of the such houses to healthcare workers, of course, including education workers. Now, I'll talk to you about. Uh, essential services. In doing those houses, they allocate some healthcare workers. There's nothing wrong there. Let, let, let's say, for instance, three bedroom flat. Look, in Bejuleki, for instance, I was uh, the commissioner for health when we did the Bejuleki General Hospital. There was nothing there on the ground, so I can tell to you. Government constructs uh, houses, for instance. They have not done so in Bejuleki, but they have done so in Ethiopia. Houses, uh, through the Ministry of Housing. They could have allocated some two of the two, three bedroom flats, like two flats, and said this is for essential workers for government. That way, the person can live in Ethiopia, like Awoyaya, for instance. There are schemes in Awoyaya. And from there, I go to Ibejileki. Those who are familiar with the area, we understand easily what I'm saying. But I have to mention names, specific areas, so that we can pinpoint and explain better. So government needs to be doing that. And the healthcare leadership should talk to the governor and talk to the commissioner for housing, and they have these kind of things in mind. So health is, we not say, you must come and construct inside my hospital. No. What you are constructing for the general public, my workers are also members of the general public. I'm not even saying that they should buy or take it away because whoever is supposed to be Bejileki today may not be in the Bejileki in five years' time. But at least he will rent. So they can let it out to Ministry of Health, those flats, for instance, let it out to Ministry of Health. That's what I will ask for, Commissioner for Health. And then the staff that I put there will be paying rent back to Ministry of Health to 
take care of that usage. And when they put you out, whoever comes in takes over the rent again. And let me tell you, for such posting, you only need a room. So three people can stay in a three-bedroom flat. That's really where I'm going. So imagine two-bedroom flats, six people living there in a two of such flats. That will service such a hospital to a large extent. It won't completely solve the problem, but to a large extent to serve. I'm just giving a pragmatic, low-hanging fruit uh, approach to the problem. And it's easy, it can be done. And that's why I keep repeating the issue, is that all it needs is thinking outside the box. It's not, it doesn't need nuclear science. Thank you.